You are now listening to Halos in the Infield, an Angels baseball exclusive podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to another uh, episode of Halos in the Infield with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Fernando Mendez. Fernando Mendez checking in. Indeed, we are here uh, coming to you on a, a Sunday, which is going to be probably a Monday release. As uh, we're going to be wrapping up uh, what happened in the postseason uh, so far, heading into now the World Series, we're going to be talking about some minor league stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, major league news for 2022, huge news coming up, and also some uh, hirings and firings. So we're going to get to all that, and then we're also going to let you know real quick, or or it's going to be a little different show again because we don't have Courtney on the show, and it's the first show for a while that we don't have a guest. So, you know, (laughs) we're kind of mixing it up. It's just uh, me and Fernando here, so you're going to have to deal with it. Um, so anything you want to add as far as promotions or anything out of the way before we get started, Fernando? Uh, we'll spread them the uh, the comments about merchandise right now. We'll talk about it later. Okay. And then we'll talk about it uh, if we want to get into the baseball thing coming up here. Because we were supposed to talk with them. Uh, we got we to gotta get a hold of Rocks here pretty damn soon about that game. Um, so with that being said, let's get started. Uh, what do you want to start on first, Fernando? Uh, let's talk about some of the firings that have taken place so far for our Angels. Is that something that uh, you know directs, uh, directly affects the club? Okay. Um, so first couple uh, – go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to say Butterfield and Molina jump out to me. Okay. Yeah, so um, I know you were a big Jose Molina guy. Mm-hmm. So let's real quick dive into his first. Why do you think Jose Molina was let go as you know a catching instructor considering most of the time we saw him being involved with the players, um, it's it's either it's either uh, they maybe blamed him for maybe uh, the way that the pitchers maybe turned out or didn't turn out. Uh, maybe they blamed him for overruling the, one of the pitching coaches because Matt Wise is still currently there, from what you told me earlier before the show started. Um, so maybe maybe he went over Wise's head, being him being the interim because he was working with pitchers. Me and you both saw that he wasn't just working with the catchers. Uh, I thought he, I thought catching wise, defensively they were good. Uh, hitting was another department, but uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed to see Molina go. Like you said, he was very interactive. So yeah, that'd be my only guess. You said the catching defensively was good. Kurt Suzuki is in for the chat. Okay, okay, I <laughs> forgot about his throws to second base. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, his defense was. Uh, he wasn't very good at framing. He wasn't very good at blocking. He was, you know, really anything a catcher needed to do. Kurtz Suzuki just wasn't good at this year. Well, maybe Kurtz the reason why he got fired. Because <laughs> hey, I, there you go. I got. I forgot about the fact that yes, Kurt wasn't the best catcher, and that he threw a lot of balls to center field. He he thought the second baseman played center field. So yeah, he was like, hey. <laughs> Brandon Marsh, he's for you. Cover the base. Make the play. <laughs> yeah, right. What what uh what do you think about Butterfield? Butterfield, uh, we were talking a little bit about this off air. Butterfield was a little bit more of a head scratcher. I mean, I was I'm not a Butterfield apologist or anything, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it, it was just a random move. I mean, as we were saying, you know, he was another guy who was kind of always interacting with the players. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> maybe they're like oh you were trying to do your job you're trying to interact with the players can't have that this is joe madden's world joe likes to do the let the guys be the guys yeah what and, and speaking of that not to go off topic real quick but what do you think i mean perry came out and said a couple weeks ago like right when the season ended he was like hey we're going to evaluate everything from top to bottom 
And, um, you know, he even mentioned the training staff, which I'm probably sure we'll get into. But talking about the coaches, like he's going one by one, basically, it seems like. He's like bringing them in, like with a list of what you did good, what you did bad. You know, do you think Perry's guys, you know, because we would have heard of Madden being fired. But do you think yeah. Perry is on board with the current coaching staff in general? Like is is, is he taking his, you know, thoughts about certain coaches from and he's is he asking Madden basically for what he thinks? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Perry's happy with the coaching staff the way it is, which is why we're slowly starting to see some guys leaving. Um, I don't think the coaching staff is set in stone. I mean, obviously they still have to make hiring, mm -hmm. but I don't think we've seen the last angel get fired in a oh. coaching position this year. Okay. Um, I don't think it's a hot take to think that Matt Wise will not be the main pitching coach next year. He might still be the assistant pitching coach, but um, I also don't think he earned the right yet to be the pitching coach. It wasn't, it wasn't even his job last year, except for Dick Picnic. <laughs> I, I, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, Joe Madden's still going to be the manager. The, you know, no, anybody who's like, Oh, they're going to fire Joe Madden. No, you know, it's set in stone. He'll be back at least for his third year. If they don't bring him back after that, they mutually break up. Well, that's different, but he's going to write out that third year of the contract. Uh, obviously, we'll have a new catching coach. Um, I real I'm hoping for some new hitting coaches or hitting coach singular. Mm -hmm. It'd be nice to just have one guy. You, you have an assistant hitting coach, whatever, but you know you shouldn't have two hitting coaches. I agree. It, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it one main guy in, in San Francisco and like two or three assistants, or they actually share the um, the coaching responsibilities up there with the Giants because? I know they have like double the amount of coaches the Angels have, and it seems to be working. I mean, it seems like, you know, uh, they're able to keep the guys in line. I mean, they got some career numbers out of some very mediocre players and veterans last year. Do you think, in your opinion, bro, that that made a huge difference? Like, like do you think – do you basically, do you put the Giants' success partially to blame or at least half of it to be blamed by or, or attributed to the coaching staff? Yeah, well, I mean, coaching staff, you know, there, there's two different people. There's people who believe that coaches in Major League Baseball and in sports period are just figureheads. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times have people said, like, oh, well, you know, Joe Madden just standing there. You know, he really doesn't do much. These guys kind of coach themselves. All he does is make a lineup every day. There's people who believe that. And there's people who believe that coaching, uh, coaching staff makes everything. What I think uh, coaches do is create mentalities. They create winning mentalities. They create winning cultures. I mean, you know, you saw with a team like the Padres this year, mm -hmm. or you know, a team like the Brewers a couple of years ago. You know, you can put a bunch of personnel together if the right coaching isn't there, and the guys don't believe in the process. It's you know, it, it doesn't lead to anything. Look at the Padres, talented roster, horrible result. Look at the Giants; they don't have a lot of big names on that roster. But you know what? They came together and they got eliminated in the playoffs. But hey, you know what? They made it to the playoffs. But um, yeah, no, you're up to the right, dude. They have such a big pitching. I mean, I'm looking at their coaching staff right now. It's not even like <laughs> – it's like two scrolls worth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I heard they had an enormous staff, so I was like, wow, you know, and, and the players are raving about it. I did hear that they're that they're pretty excited about who they got and how they're able to re- interact with them. But I, I get you, man. Um, You can have a good staff. That's a good point you brought out about the Padres. I mean, they you had Rothschild. Was it Larry Rothschild was a manager that got fired for the Padres, a pitching coach? Uh, he was supposedly really good with the Yankees, been there forever. He couldn't get a hold of that staff. And for whatever reason, they never gelled. They never listened to him, like you said. And they they just – never got in tune and then the manager looked overworked and that was that was the um you know uh thing i was trying to tell my dad like because he was asking he's like didn't that other manager for the giants pitch or, or not pitch um kapler he was the uh the manager in philly i said yeah he was a he was a manager in philly he's like yeah but didn't he suck there i said yeah but maybe he just didn't have the right support it seems like he had the right p- player or coaches in in uh, place over there in san francisco yeah like 17 coaches if i counted correctly <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, okay. uh, one thing is, uh, so Andrew Bailey is their pitching coach. You remember Andrew Bailey? Wasn't he so, uh, the director of something or rather for the for the squad? Yeah. Well, for them, he was their pitching coach. For us, uh, obviously, he pitched for us a couple seasons ago, yeah. and then afterward, I think he was like our instant replay guy. I don't know what yes. the term for that is, but you know, he was the guy they went to in the dugout who said yes, challenge, don't mm-hmm. challenge. That was him, and now he just automatically got a pitching coach role with the Giants. And uh, look how good their pitching did. Yeah, that's even worse. So you have a guy on staff that goes there and does way better. I mean, uh, typical Angels, man. Typical Angels. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of moves the Angels make. I mean, and let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Why on earth does every Angels fan get freaking excited? You know what I mean? We're talking Roger Lutz, kind of excited about potential coaches from the 2002 team. It's like, okay, every single time there's a possibility of, you know, a new coach, everyone automatically names someone from the 2002 team. You're like, oh, when you're hitting coach, oh, Tim Salmon, oh, Garrett, Darren Erstad, Garrett Anderson, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Adam Kennedy. Is that really that just we're just going to keep on bringing dudes from 2002? Like, that's what people hope for. I mean, look at these guys. I mean, Troy Percival is a name that gets thrown out all the time. He hasn't mm-hmm. exactly been the most successful college coach. Mm-hmm. I think what it is is I've been guilty of that too. Uh, I said Garrett Anderson because I just like the way his approach was and the way he hit. Does that make him a good coach? No. Uh, but I think we go back to days like when the Angels had Rod Carew, when they had, um, which their hitting was pretty good with Rod Carew. Then you had Don Baylor uh, for a little bit. Uh, you had other uh, hitting coaches that were former ball players. I think the Angel fans really rely on that and think that that's always the answer. Like you said, Tim Salmon, I, I bet you if you're asking him tomorrow, do you want to be the pressure or have the pressure of working with young players, veterans, and and being a held accountable for success and and uh, n- no success on the field, or would you rather take a cushy job, dress up and stay at the stadium, get paid really good to be on TV for about what a half hour a day, do a little hour <laughs> prep? Uh, I think Tim Sam's going to stay where he's at, and I think I don't think if Garrett were to jump to a coaching position, he would have left. If Darren would have been in uh, Angels' possibility, he would have been invited over. Percival, like you said. It's just everyone looks back to the last real big year of success and thinks, oh, we could just pluck a dude from here and there and then make it make it work. And you're right. You need the intangibles. It has to be something to where you've had experience. I mean, who knows? Benji Gill could be the greatest 
freaking and he was on that O2 team. He could be the greatest coach. We just don't know it yet, but because he's never been a ch- given a chance. Or we can take Tim Salmon and say, "Oh, Tim Salmon's a natural." Like you said, uh, lead, you know, led the Angels with home runs forever till Trout broke it or is gonna break it. And you take Tim Salmon, put him on there, and it's a complete failure. You know, you, we just don't know. You know. Yeah, I mean, that just, you know, sometimes it just kind of bothers me. But it's like, I've got no problem with anybody at the 2002 team, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they won this championship, mm-hmm. and I have all the respect in the world for them. But it's like, you know, anytime we have a vacancy at a coaching position, we can't just be like, they're in our stead. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, how about we think out of the box? You know, continuing to think in the box is what's gotten us in this position. And like you said, I mean, a lot of the times, the players who nobody thought would be good coaches, turn out to be the best coaches. Mm-hmm. There is one player who was not in the 2002 team who I would like to see in the coaching position, and that player is Jared Weaver. Now, the reason why I see Jared Weaver is because Jared Weaver had that dog mentality. Exactly what we think our pitchers and our um, locker room lacks is exactly what he brought to the team during the years he was here. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you saw Jared Weaver the day he pitched many times. He always looked like a guy you didn't want to mess with. Mm-hmm. You know, he always looked serious. He looked like he was there to get a job done. And there was nobody that was going to stop him from doing that. So if that's the kind of mentality that he can bring to a clubhouse, that's the guy who I want. Because the Angels don't have that. It's been a long time. I totally agree. And, and again, to go back to your point, he was a guy that some players said after he retired, they were upset at them. You know how he would get upset when guys would make errors behind him? They were upset with themselves when they let, made an error. You know what I mean? They didn't want to let him down. He was that type of leader. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Just for his leadership, uh, I think he would get people to listen big time and fall in line. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, once again, I mean, Matt Wise at the time of this recording has not been uh, let go yet. Mm-hmm. He's still technically a member of the team, the coaching staff, and he's still technically the pitching coach. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I do think a change needs to be made to pitching coach and to the hitting coach position. Okay. And then you said also, or did you bring, bring up the scouting director too? Yeah, Matt Swanson was let go. Now, Matt Swanson was a Billy Epler guy. He was hired in August of 2016. That was obviously the start of the Billy Epler era. Now, uh, Matt Swanson did oversee some decent draft pick names. Obviously, none of them have formally panned out just yet. Mm-hmm. But he was responsible for the drafting of Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, uh, Griffin Canning. And sure, we're maybe starting to see a couple of those guys slowly start trickling in and making major league impact. But, um, you know, nobody's officially panned out yet, uh, out yet as a star. None of, them, none of them are set in stone major leaguers just yet. And, you know, obviously people are going to roll their eyes and be like, what are you talking about, dude? Joe Adele is going to make the roster next year. Brandon Marsh is going to make the roster next year. But we really don't know. Yeah, we don't know long because it's a small sample size. Um, I think with a move like that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you make a move like that, a little hasty, 2016 being the director of everything, Perry has to have someone in mind. Perry has to be – he has to have someone that's going to step in there and he's going to trust right away, don't you think? I sure hope so, man. I mean, Perry Man- uh, Perry Manazian has obviously uh, done some great scouting in his time. For those of you who might not know, uh, he was with the Blue Jays previously, Yep. then went over to the Braves, and uh, the Braves are in the World Series. And a lot of those guys who were drafted for both those organizations, Perry oversaw. 
So I would like to think that he knows what he's looking for in a scouting director. He knows somebody, et cetera, et cetera. And what I do like is Perry going in there and starting to bring his guys. You know what? We've seen two years of Joe Madden's guys. We saw, obviously, Matt Swanson, who was Billy Upler's guy. I will tip my cap to Billy Upler. I'm not going to say I was the biggest Billy Upler guy, but what I will say is Billy Upler did do a good job, and and company, obviously, Matt Swanson being one of them, did a decent job of rebuilding this farm system. I'm sure you remember, before Billy Upler came here, we had one of the worst (laughs) minor league systems of all time. Forget in baseball. Mm -hmm. It was historically bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, your biggest name was what? Maybe like David Fletcher. Yeah, that was it. I mean, they they literally crapped themselves. I think it was when uh, I think because what happened was Depoto had purged had purged the system, and he had something in mind what he did in Seattle, but because of all the infighting between him and Sosha, uh, that got him out of there. And then Epler came through and and. It, and did his start to his purge and what he wanted to do. And it completely screwed things up because at least with DePoto had like, an, like now we see with Seattle, what DePoto was trying to do. Cause he did something similar with, with uh, Seattle. We just didn't get to see the trades that maybe when you clean out some of the uh, major league roster and you get draft picks back, because think about it with Seattle and De, what DePoto did up there. If you've looked at all the trades he's done, getting rid of Robinson Cano, all these other closers that people were like wetting themselves over, like, why are you doing that? The the picks that he was getting back, the players that he was getting back have all contributed to now to the Mariners' success of only missing the playoffs by five games. So who knows? That could have been the Angels, you know what I mean, at this point, like maybe a couple years ago. And then they could be maybe in the playoffs by now because, remember, if he, they started that purge years ago before Epler came in. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick. I did bring up some of the uh, the 2015 top prospects. This was the top 30 for the Angels. I'm not going to go through all 30, yeah. but I will go through a couple of the key ones. All right, so number one, Victor Alcantara. That name ring a bell to you? Not Probably at all. Probably not. Number two, Joe Gatto. Number three, Nate Smith. His name does ring a little bit to me, but um, he just kind of fell off. Uh, four, Roberto Balquin, another guy whose name doesn't ring a bell. No. And then number five, Taylor Ward. <laughs> that's the first name that to people people would be like oh yeah taylor ward you know he's come up hasn't exactly made an impact but you do know his name uh let me see what are some other names here i guess the next three are kind of noticeable number six kyle kibitza he was traded mm-hmm. if you remember that mm-hmm. seven jamai jones he was obviously just traded for some guy named alex cobb yeah <laughs> that was a that ended up being a pretty decent trade and then eight was probably the last one that people would notice before before we can skip a couple, Caleb Coward. Oh, geez. Mr. I can't yeah, hit my weight. Yeah, at least not in uh, in uh, the majors. Yeah. He was a great 4A player, though. That's the problem with the Angels. They've had a ton of 4A players. Absolutely. Uh, so let's see. We'll skip a couple. Greg Malley, 12. Some people might know his name. 14, Todd Cunningham. I remember him not painting out. Uh, 17, his name sounds familiar, but I can't really remember him. Grayson Long. Mm. Uh, okay, skip a little bit more. 20, Jaime Berea, obviously. Uh, 23, Jose Suarez. Oh, okay. So that was a good one. And then the last three, actually, you know, the last, like, 20, last five. Uh, David Fletcher was 25th. 
Uh, we'll skip 27 with Jet Bandy. Obviously, he did pretty decent before he got traded for Martin Maldonado. Backup catcher. Uh, 28, Justin Anderson. Okay. And then last was 30th with uh, Jose Bresenio. Justin Anderson had the uh, Tommy John, right? So he's he- – Yeah, he was the – so um, he came up, I think, right after Middleton yeah. and did really well. Because I remember him and Middleton, and funny, as I said, Middleton, uh, his photo came up under my uh, – Oh, little uh, widget. Okay. I'm all, but don't worry. Phones don't listen into your conversations. I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm all, later I'll talk about Tide, dish, tide Soap, and all of a sudden I'm going to get, like, hit in the face with, like, 50 Tide Soap ads. <laughs> need some pods? <laughs> yeah, you need Tide Pods? Um, anyway, as I was saying, yeah. Um, uh, Justin Anderson was throwing, like, triple digits, along with Middleton at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good relievers that were that were supposedly make their mark and stay on the roster for a long time. We know Middleton's gone free agent, and then uh, Anderson had the uh, myriad of injuries, and then this last one was the uh, the Tommy John, which just totally took him out for the twenty twenty one season. Um, yeah, he's not even on the team anymore. Yeah, they let him go, or he was traded. I think while he was injured, I think so. It was, I thought they let him. Yeah, I think they let him go. Yeah. All right, so with that being said, those are your your moves right now. As Fernando alluded to, there's going to be probably more, you know, guys being let go and being hired. So it's going to be interesting to see who uh, – What do you think? Will, I, will, will more heads roll? I think so. There's got to be um, – I'm going to be severely disappointed if he's not listened in and heard the cries from Angel fans about the training staff. I think right now if you were not to fire anybody, even if you were to give Matt Wise the full-time job, I would be okay with that. It's just, please, God damn it, for the love of God, get get rid of this freaking training staff. It's got to go. It has to go. And, uh, you know, I would have all the respect in the world. I'd, I'd say let's sign Perry for three more years extension if he gets rid of him. I'm so over this this training staff, bro. I mean, you just I, – I can't deal with another year like this. I don't want to go into another season with potential. We actually get some pitching, and they start dropping like flies again. I know it. I know injuries happen. But when it's this many years in a row and this egregious, there the writing is on the wall. I mean, it's tattooed on the wall. If you can't read it, what is your problem? I, this is my yeah. sorry. I don't think Artie can read. <laughs> <laughs> I think if people read for him, he's all read it. What does that say? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well that's it. It is what it is. I guess that's my answer. Rich people don't need to read for themselves. They somebody to read for them. They just need someone to pour some more scotch or whatever or rum or whatever he's into. That's it. There you go. There, whatever he's into that day, the Crown Royale. There you go. Only the best of the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? You think there's gonna be some more movement? Uh, you know, I sure hope so. They say you can't bet with your heart, but I mean, I do think there'll be some more movement. Will be the movement we hope for? Probably not. But uh, somebody will get let go. We're not. He's not done. True, true. I mean, there's, there's just. So- but I will say this: I, I, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me. If Perry does fire even a couple members of the training staff, and then let's go of got at least one of the hitting coaches and gets us another hitting coach, I will be all in on Perry. I will be a Perry Manazian guy. I think, I think what would happen if that were to happen, bro? I would go to Randy and say, "Can you make?" A in Perry we trust shirt because I'd be the first one to buy it. <laughs> you know? That should already be a thing. It I don't know how it's be. not a thing. It should be. 
even if we can't put his likeness as a face, but even if we did, I'd love to have his mug on my on my shirt. But even if not, just put in Perry we trust. Dude, I or vote for Perry, whatever you want to do. I'm there, man, because there you go. Yeah. Vote for Perry. I like it. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. So Randy, I know Let's you're watching, it. so get that in the process. <laughs> I know you're watching on your TV. Yeah. <laughs> Please. It doesn't right. have to be an epic design. Just both yes. Perry. And if Perry says anything, I'll just be like, Perry, you can't sue us. You can't give us a season desist order. All this money's going to charity. And we're not lying. Yeah, it's going to charity. But wouldn't oh, that be you can't you can't hate charity? Wouldn't that be great though, real quick before we move on to the next topic? You know how they always have big press conferences because the Angels usually at least make one big splash every season. What if there's an opportunity to where, or you know, where the Angels pull in a couple big fish, and and we are there at you know we go down there just to 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 show up and maybe record what's what's being said, what's happening, and we have our in Perry we trust, dude. I know that dude would take a picture with us, man. That'd be dope, man. That'd be sick. Because then we'd be, be we'd be there celebrating his accomplishments and then showing the fans that hey. We said it first. <laughs> I'll try to pull. We'll try to pull some strings. Hey, Trent. Yeah, there you go. There you go. My boy's got the Trent uh, hookup right there. That's for sure. I'll text Jeff Fletcher. Hey, there? Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Fletcher is coming back on the show, by the way, folks. Oh, After the wait. World Series is what we told him. Can't wait. That's a, that's a good interview. I enjoyed it last time. He was in and Minnesota. Trent. Trent. Trent will come. Is coming on after the World Series too. So. Sweet. Get a lot of Angel Insider information. So stay tuned, people. Um, so what's next on the docket, brother? Playoffs. Let's talk about playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. You're talking about playoffs. <laughs> that should be Angels management. Playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, what do you think about the Angels making the play- playoffs? Play- we're in fourth place. Playoffs. This team can't strike anybody out. Playoffs. Yeah, Matt Wise is like play strikeout. You're talking to me about a strikeout. <laughs> They can't even throw the ball over the damn plate. Yep, yep. Oh, well, speaking of those playoffs, okay. Now, let me just get your uh, – we, we've taken some heat for, for, for what we've posted recently, and we've also gotten a lot of love, I think majority love. But there is this dynamic. I don't know if it's the honks or whatnot, but they have this over – there's a split in the Angels fan base that just does not want to talk about the Dodgers and thinks that because we're joking on the Dodgers, we're forgetting what the Angels' bad baseball has been over the last few years, and we're just putting the blame on the Dodgers. There's that fan sentiment right there that we should respect them because they're in the postseason. And then there's our side, which me and you tend to fall on, where it's like, screw the Dodgers. We know their history. We know their fan base. We're not fans. They are our rivals, and we just go with it And because we know if the shoes were uh, was on the other foot. And we're in the postseason like in the past. They didn't vote for us. They didn't root for us. They they crapped on us whenever we got eliminated. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that, man? Um, I think, what, am I supposed to cheer for the Dodgers? Am I supposed to cheer for an organization that literally kicked the Latinos out of their houses using eminent domain? Am I supposed to cheer for that? Am I supposed to be a fan of that? Am I supposed to be a fan of guys who cause women to get prolapsed assholes? Am I supposed to be a fan of, an organization that within the last five years has had two guys with domestic violence charges. Am I supposed to be a fan of that? Is that cool? Is that the hip thing to do? It's like, come on, guys. Get real. Oh, we're haters. You know what? 
Maybe. Maybe I'm hating on the Dodgers a little bit. You know what? I'll I'll be the Angels fan to say it. Am I a little jealous that they make the playoffs and we don't? Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's be real. Of course we're jealous. Yes, we are. But you know what? Participation trophies don't mean anything. I mean, Brad Pitt said in the Moneyball, if you don't win the last game, nobody gives a shit. And it's true. Great. You get another little patch on the side of your hat that all you Dodger fans are going to buy. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, 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 you have your little 2018 World Series hat. And that's what I hated when they made the World Series in 17 and 18. Every Doyer fan on the pinche planet had the little emblem on the side like it was some kind of prize. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's a Mets fan. For those of you guys who might not remember, the Mets made the World Series in 2015. And you know what? Whenever he saw something that said Mets World Series, he wouldn't buy it. Why? Because they didn't win. Yeah, yeah. It, like, brought him anger. I mean, I'm a Broncos fan. Here's my Broncos mask. I had to wear it down here. Mm-hmm. I would never buy anything from the Broncos-Seahawks game. Fuck you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that reminds me of a bad time. No, I, I feel I you. I say that, and I have 2014 Angel stuff, but. <laughs> but no, no, but I feel you. The 2015, like when we play the Patriots, if Seattle runs the ball, that's one of the most epic Super Bowls in history, and it's remembered for something completely different, and I'm a fan of that. I haven't watched any replays. I've avoided any time they do a 30 for 30 or anything on that season. I can't watch it. I can't stomach it. Sort of just like the 1986 team with the Angels. They had a really great team. I try not to watch it, try not to watch that game five with Donnie Moore and all that other stuff. It's depressing. It sucks. You kind of want to get away from that kind of stuff, which brings me to my next ask, uh, uh, question. Because given all that that happened over the years, you know, the Angels having the success in the late, uh, early to mid, uh, or early to, um, to early 2000, um, early 2000 to early 2000 teens. Uh, success when winning division championships, winning like 90 to 100 games every year, being contenders. The Dodgers at the time really didn't start contending to that two, 2014 season where now they've had the eight years in a row, seven years in a row, either winning divisions or being good. Um, my point being is when you have all this success that the Dodgers are having, there are crosstown rivals. We They rooted against us when we were good. It's our turn to do it now. I think fans are just more, as 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 a fan base that they are, so fickle and and beating each other up and and they have such a reputation when it comes to social media they are so there's snowflakes of all snowflakes and if they really had gotten over and won that world series and it really meant something last year the 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 bubble play uh world series the ring pop world series don't you think they would have forgotten about the cheating scandal about houston but no this year bro Dodger fans were determined to get back because they looked at it like this. We if even if Boston wins, we get a chance to get back at them. Or 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 we have a chance to vindicate ourselves against Houston. They wanted Houston bad. And the fact that they're still you know dreaming about that and wishing that they had that opportunity just goes to show you that not even they believe last year was legit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've heard you make that point multiple times and it's true. You know, and Dodger fans will be the first to tell you, no, you're full of it. That's not true. At least we made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if they weren't craving that, you know, confirmation that, yeah, you guys are the champs, they wouldn't care. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It wouldn't have mattered. It would have been like, oh, cool, we'll repeat, whatever. Like when the Yankees were repeating, it didn't mean they were like, cool, whatever, we won again. 
F it, whatever. What's another World Series shirt? The Lakers back in the day. Same thing, whatever, three-peat, cool. Yeah, and, and just going back to, to what you had mentioned about how, you know, the Yankee or the, the Mets fan, right, who did not take the World Series loss as, as a victory for just being there and getting the participation patch on the hat. Do you think Yankee fans rooted for the Mets in the World Series? No, they were pulling for the Royals. And when the Mets were, you know, the Yankees were going to the World Series, the Mets were rooting against them, whoever they were playing. You being in Chicago, I bet you heard the same thing with when the Cubs won the World Series. You think the White Sox were rooting for them? No. It's vice versa. Crosstown rivals, even though they don't play each other much, that's big cities like this in Los Angeles and Anaheim, they hate each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even if we were still the Anaheim Angels, I mean, they would still be a crosstown rival. We would still not be cheering yep. for them because they're just up the road. Yep. I mean, but then again, we say that, and I mean, nobody gives a shit about the Padres, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> you know, true. we're just kind of like, whatever, bro, whatever. Oh, we want to. You guys want a World Series? I'm like, you know, you know, how I feel about the Padres, bro. That that you brought that up, it reminds me of Home Improvement. Like the Padres are, are Tim Allen going arr, 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 down there, and then we're like the uh, the neighbor, you know, like with a just peering over, being like, hey, buddy, hey, neighbor. That's yeah. it. Like, we really don't bother each other. You need some milk? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I'm still mad at you, though. Yeah, exactly. I still hate you, though. <laughs> no, I think they've just kind of been that team that's like, whatever. Yeah. It's like the it's like the White Sox and the Brewers, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> they had yeah. a rivalry this year. When I was there, it was a big deal because I went to the White Sox-Brewers oh, right. game. But it's because it was the first time where, like, both teams were good in a long time and they were uh, playing each other. Yeah. So, you know. I I think you're right about that because usually even with the Cubs and it was more Cubs Brewers that was a rivalry, but it's funny because yeah. they try to do it regionally like football fans, like, you know, the Bears hate the Packers and vice versa, but you can't yeah. bring that into baseball. It's got to be natural. And I think the natural thing with, like you said, even though we're Anaheim, you know, we were LA first, you know, and then LA, LA is always trying to be like the bigger brother. We were the redhead stepchild. So we have a natural hate for them and they've over the years hated us because We've hurt them in the win column. You know, we we usually beat them every year. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, the Dodger fans will keep on pounding their chest and being like, "Oh, you guys suck." That's my favorite about going. Like, I, your phone's probably been blowing up just like mine has. We just mm-hmm. like I'll go on Instagram; it'll be like eighty-five notifications. You know <laughs> what I mean? And like half of them are Dodger fans. Like, well, at least we made the playoffs and things like that. So, but did you win? <laughs> I love it exactly. If you didn't win the last game, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> we don't care. We don't care. Yeah, exactly, exactly, straight up. So, with that being said, them losing in the postseason was what for you? Normal. Normal. <laughs> Me, I would say euphoric. I mean, okay. I, I, uh, I loved it. I. Um, like tonight would have been – I don't think we would have did this because I would have been on pins and needles trying to see if they were going to lose tonight. But I'll just say one thing about that game. Um, Jackson hit, was last year's Will Smith. Will Smith in the 2020 playoffs was kind of blowing it for the uh, the Braves. Uh, and um, Jackson just he, – he was just throwing gasoline on the fire. And when they had scored that run and had second and third, nobody out, I'm like, great. But Matt Sick dude came in there and did a K-Rod from the left side. And he got uh, Tio, and he got those uh, the next two on on uh, on strikeouts, and including Betts, which was freaking impressive. I mean, yeah. that that won the series single handedly. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, 
Braves pitching got it done yesterday. Best way to put it, you know, their their bullpen, with the exception of uh, Luke, there was uh, was pretty lights out. They did a good job cohesively as a team. Were you worried at all going into yesterday's game? Like, did you were you kind of like, oh, here we go again, man? The Dodgers are going to come back like was, they did the year before. I was very worried. Um, you know, obviously, I I felt in Game Three even worse because I felt Bellinger's home run could have been a launching pad for them to win four straight. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and that was a, a game where the Braves could have went up 3 nothing, and only one team's ever come back. So I would have been lights out, you know, butter's getting hard, chick hearns type thing. But uh, they, you know, the Braves showed me something. I thought they were going to roll over like most Atlanta teams have over, you know, other franchises over the last few years, including the Braves. But uh, credit to where credit's due. I mean, they played their asses off. They finished them off. And now you have – a really good series, which some people don't want to see it, but you have two teams with explosive <clears throat> power hitters. <clears throat> Major League Baseball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They don't Ron want to Manfred see it. Ron Manfred doesn't want to see it. Yeah, Ron Manfred doesn't want to see this. No, he's this is worst-case scenario for him. Uh, he didn't get the Dodgers, and he didn't get the Red Sox. I think he wanted that sexy number two, um, but then he would have taken the Astros and the Dodgers and it would have been like, hey, everyone root for the Dodgers. But uh, I mean, would Astros Dodgers have probably been the highest rated? Yes. Out of whatever the options you think? I think so. I think so because okay. the Astros are the Miami Heat of baseball. Uh, you know, when LeBron okay. was there, uh, the, the people yeah. just, I mean, you, you would sales. Go, yeah. I mean, Houston played some really random teams this year and they were getting booed out of the building on the road. And yeah. <laughs> in the beginning of the season, they were bitching and moaning about it. But then as the season went on, they kind of took it as, hey, you know what? We're the bad guys. And to their credit, they use that to their advantage. Absolutely. So, who, who, right, so World Series prediction. Was that what you were going to say? Yeah, I was going to ask you. <laughs> go, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Man, I don't know. I don't want to get put on the spot. Oh, you want me to take a shot at it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm actually leaning towards – I'm leaning towards the Astros. Um, I'm thinking uh, with Garcia – and uh, and some of these other guys, just the bullpen's looking really hot. The timely hitting Alvarez is just like he's like Rosario. I mean, that's where I'm going to be excited to watch Alvarez versus uh, Rosario. Those guys are on fire. Um, but I think it's going to go seven. I think Houston's going to edge him out. I'd like to see Atlanta win. I really would like to see Atlanta win. But uh, if I had to pick, it'd be Houston. Yeah, I'll say Houston in six. Um. They're just a hotter team right now. I understand the Braves had to get through the Dodgers. And I mean, how crazy would it have been to think that the Dodgers had a chance to sweep? Sorry, that the Braves had a chance to sweep the Dodgers. Yes. And I mean, we're literally, we're talking one pitch away. If that pitch to Bellinger is on the ground, hmm. we're having a much different conversation. We're talking Braves with a sweep. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't want to see Houston win. I mean, obviously I don't, but maybe the positive here will be that it'll be like 2017 or 2018 and the Angels will have a good offseason. I mean, in 2018, uh, the Angels won the, the paper trophy, right? I mean, what they had, they got Zach Cozart, who was coming off of an all-star season in 2017. We were all excited about that back then because, you know, he was a name. Um, we re-signed Justin Upton, who at the time, I'm sure all Angels fans were excited about too because, hey, we finally had our left fielder of, the future, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, they got some guy named Shohei Otani that year. So, mm -hmm. you know, 2018, we had a chance in theory. 
So I'm hoping that this will kind of be the same thing. And if the Astros win, then maybe it'll entice the Angels to want to go out there and have a good offseason. I think it's going to happen either way. I, I agree. I, I think Let you're me ask on. you – no, go ahead. I'll ask you after you finish your point. No, I was just going to say you're, de- you're dead on because usually when a team wins in, in the World Series, their division rivals ha- want to step up and they'll, they'll go overboard. So we'll see. All right. So uh, the last thing about the Dodgers. Now that they lost, how much is their organization going to change? My boss is always like, oh, well, I think this, they're going to keep this guy. They're going to keep this guy. Who, are the, who do you think they're realistically going to keep? I mean, can they keep Seager, Trey, or not Trey Turner, uh, Chris Taylor, and uh, Clayton Kershaw? Isn't Bell- Kershaw, Scherzer. Bellinger's a free agent, I believe, after next year. After next year. Along with Trey Turner. I would look at it this way. I think it, what we're going to get into next is going to really play into what they do. Um, but, you know, uh, I would say that either way, I don't think they can afford to give a Kobe Bryant-type jer- or jersey uh, contract to Clayton Kershaw. Like, hey, here's for your, uh, your previous, uh, you know, contributions to the team. I don't think they're going to be able to willy-nilly throw money around, and I think that's going to hurt them. And I, I think we saw Chris Taylor play his final game as a Dodger. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think Seager goes. I, it's it's just really either way the salary cap's coming down. Whether and and I just don't think they want to pay over that. Then there's going to be some more penalties, and I just don't see them signing. I don't even think they get Scherzer back. Um, the my only thing is, can they recoup the money they lost with? Because um, I think they're going to try to fight to recoup this year's salary that they gave Bauer. Um, okay. so if they're able to do that, they possibly could swing one of those players to, uh, uh okay. bring them back. But, uh, otherwise I don't think so. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Trevor Bauer. I mean, he's the highest paid player on their team. Mm-hmm. So can they get rid of that contract? Is he going to prison? Is what's going to happen with that? Can they avoid the contract? Cause I mean, that really is going to be a franchise-changing situation. For well, here, here's my question to you. Here's my question to you because obviously he has that one-year opt-out, right? Now, yeah. what if, what if, say for instance, he knows his his, you know, what if he gets off legally, and he's right. able to play, and and they lift him off the um, the exemption list, and now he's still property of the Dodgers. But he in, he institutes his second year and third year, like he signs on, or he says, "Hey, you know, what? I'm going to take the player option and stay with the Dodgers." Dodgers are on the hook for that. Yeah. Well, do you think so? Do you think there's something that Dodgers can do? So he can get. So I, I pulled up his uh, contract here. So if he opts out, uh, opts out after 2021, the Dodgers owe him a two million dollar buyout. And his twenty million deferred converts to two million dollars every year from twenty thirty one to twenty forty. <laughs> okay, wow. All right, that's a nice little payday when your career's long but gone. Yeah, man. Okay, we Trevor we, Bauer Day. It's uh, December first. Would be Trevor Bauer Day. We have Bobby Vanilla Day. We'll have Trevor Bauer Day. And we just had Chris. Was it Chris Davis too? From uh, we have Chris, da- we have Chris Davis Day now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His is a funky contract too. He's gonna get paid for a while. Um, yeah, dude. Have, have you ever actually looked at the Trevor Bauer contract? It's insane. Yeah. He has a 2023 buyout. 
$250,000 if he wins a Cy Young. A no, create, a no trade clause to AL teams prior to the All-Star game. No trade clause to AL teams after the All-Star game if he's already pitched 80 innings or has an All-Star game berth. And he has a full no trade clause if he's under Cy Young consideration at any given part of the year. I'm telling you, that's one of the main reasons why a lot of teams didn't want to deal with him. He had so many uh, different things that he was bringing up to, to teams that he needed met before he would sign. So. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I think if you look at like Mike Trout spot track on the bottom, he just says like he needs a uh, a suite <laughs> and some Disneyland tickets. That's about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man! So all right, so uh, let's uh, move on from the Dodgers. Let's t- let's start talking about off season stuff that's going to affect everybody. Okay. Which is oh oh, are you waiting <laughs> for me? Yeah, my bad. Okay, so uh, minor league baseball is that we're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the so minor league baseball made it official uh, as the time of recording. It was one week ago that all thirty and uh, MLB teams have to provide housing for all four levels of their minor league. Yes, and that's huge news considering that our boy Ty Butchery was and maybe a few other players that he said that had been kind of outspoken over the years had been trying to advocate for the longest time obviously it's not everything they wanted but it's something and and it's a big it's a big hurdle that gets out the way um and maybe this will also make pave the way for meals you know they didn't mention the meals but at least you got the housing Actually, uh, well, I don't think it's required for all teams. So uh, when Kyron Lovegrove, uh, we'll talk about him later, mm-hmm. uh, went public to ESPN, uh, Perry Manazian immediately implemented the fact that now the Angels provide two meals a day for mm-hmm. minor league baseball players. One in the past, they only provided one. So, yeah, so the Angels did it. I don't know how many teams do that exactly. That might be a question for Kyron. Um. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a stepping stone. Let me start off by saying, though this is a win in the battle, we have certainly not won the war. The war is far from over. This is a small victory, but it's not the victory. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, these guys are still criminally underpaid. You know, now they won't have to worry about a place to live in theory. I mean, who knows? I, I'm worried about what some of these crack houses are going to look like. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, and, you know, maybe now they might not have to worry about a second meal. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let's not forget the fact that these guys are still getting paid like $5 an hour, less than $5 an hour. Still getting paid like ten dollars to $12,000 a year. That's still not a livable wage. No, it's not. It's, it's inexcusable for a major league uh, product that makes millions upon millions just on TV revenue alone, not counting advertisement, not counting all the other stuff, the gate sales, all that stuff. So it's, it is criminal. Uh, but, you know, like you said, it's a small little battle that was won. Um, if you think about what they're getting paid, you know, we've gone over this. You've gone over this. You've been the one that's brought it to this uh, this page. You've brought it to the network. You've brought it to everyone's attention. And, we, you know, we thank you for that. And, and also, Ty, you know, leading the way, your buddy. That's how we got the word out. And I think, you know, like you said, I think we played a little small part in this because, obviously, there were some stories that came out from players who were never outspoken before. The Orioles organization and our own organization was speaking up about the terrible stuff, and you brought it out. You spoke up about it, and, you know, got Ty's thoughts about it. We got other people's thoughts about it, and you know what? 
Maybe it started a dialogue, and, and you never know. A little dog and pony show like this could start something, or at least we played a, a role in it, and I feel good about it, and, and, and as well as I know you're proud about it. So, um, But like you said, I love your attitude. You know, you make that first move, but let's put, keep pushing. Let's keep pushing. Absolutely. You know, and like I said, you know, it's a small victory. I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take it for what it is. It's a positive thing that that happened. And there's going to be haters out there. There's going to be people who are like, what did you guys do? Oh, my God, you made a little podcast. I can see it now, and I can already think of a couple people in particular. <laughs> but here's the thing. All you can ever do as a person is start dialogue. Mm-hmm. Everybody on this planet has the ability to make an impact, has the ability to make change. Sometimes all you have is your voice. That's sometimes all it takes. I mean, is that not what the fundamentals of the country were built on? You have the right to free speech. You have the right to you know, peacefully protest. In a way, this was our peaceful protest. We never lied. We never blew things out of proportion. We took facts. We amplified them to the best of our ability. We encouraged others to speak up we encouraged our listeners we've encouraged minor league baseball players to speak up i mean hell packy not came on here and talked about life in the minors he admitted it wasn't great mm-hmm. we encourage people to come on this show have a platform and said hey you know what you're safe here we had our audience create that safe place at the end of the day that is all you can do i will take you know, I'm not going to raise my hand and say, hey, this happened because of me. But I'll tell you, the guy who we're going to interview tomorrow, it happened because of him. You know, and I can't wait to ask him, hey, man, do you think you're a martyr for this? I'd be really interested to know what his opinion is. But, hey, I mean, I don't know about you, but, I mean, if it took my career to save everyone else, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the end, I mean, you'll 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 get rewarded down the stretch. I mean, not ma- not maybe at first, but down the stretch you will. I mean, that's uh, what goes around comes around in good ways and bad. But uh, but yeah, that's I, I'm with you on that. I think there was a lot. You know, I think what we did too was we started dialogue, and people that would not know about it. I mean, how many times, bro, did you see in the comments or hear from people on when we're on live saying, "I didn't know it was like that. I had no idea." Uh, wow, wow, how can baseball do this? I mean, we had all the comments and just, and we reach those people, they reach other people. They tell their friends, they tell their friends. And that's probably how it goes, how things go ri- uh, viral in, in general. So uh, I think it did in a way, maybe we didn't always get all the credit as we, we could have, but I think we got the dialogue started. I think you got the dialogue started. And I think that's something to be a little bit proud of. And uh, we're hoping that more changes happen i mean like even um i'll go back to what i said on, on the last podcast ty said ty told us he wasn't sure that things would change at all because of all the stuff looming on the agenda for manfred and the rest of the the commissioners group and everything else like that players association but the fact that this got done yeah it's it's pretty cool because no one was expecting it yeah absolutely yeah real quick uh, maybe you're going back to what uh what i wanted to say right now was that um the only thing that matters is the impact uh, that you make on a community and on a society. And I mean, this is a step in the right direction about making a positive change for these players. It, these players are now not going to have to worry about where they sleep at night, at least not worried about paying for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, man, it's, it's awesome. It's cool. It's a cool first step. I agree. Totally agree. You know, it's 
And the crazy thing is every single player in Major League Baseball has their story. You know what I mean? They've, they've all had to deal with something. They all have to deal with the uncomfortable bus rides. They have to deal with the uncomfortable hotels. And maybe that's the kind of stuff that's next. You know, I, I'm definitely excited to continue to talk about the subject. You know, it's cool that we've now seen two positive steps forward. You know, I'm excited to hear some stories tomorrow on the interview. I agree. And that's the only way that change can happen is if you start talking about it in any kind of category. So, uh, yeah. So with that being said, let's, let's move into the next part, which is going to affect everybody again. Uh, so we talked about the minor leagues. This is going to be major league baseball and a possible work stoppage, which is nobody, nobody wants. Yeah. I mean, from every article I'm saying, everyone's saying it's pretty inevitable that there's going to be a work stoppage. I mean, they've been working on this already for like what a year. Mm-hmm. from things I've read, you know, the new collective bargaining agreement. And a lot of people are saying it's probably not going to happen. And uh, one thing that everyone's going to agree with is the fact that we can't afford a work stoppage. Baseball is going to be in a very bad position if there's a work stoppage, at least a significant one, because, um, you know, free agents aren't going to be able to sign places. Um, fans won't be able to access baseball. And I mean, baseball has a small window where they're like the sport that's on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they might miss that window. And if look at last year, last year, um, the COVID season, they had an opportunity to be the show, right? There was no other sports going on. They had a golden opportunity. The NBA was in the middle of their stoppage because of COVID. NFL wasn't going. They didn't even have a preseason. You know, NHL, same thing. They hadn't created their bubble yet. MLB had the opportunity, like, to have, what, a month of being the only sport. People were craving sports. How much do you want to bet that would have been the best ratings baseball's ever had? We're talking cream of the crop because even people who don't like baseball would have been like, finally, something to watch. I'm tired of watching reruns of the 1982 playoffs. Mm-hmm. They would have <laughs> – you would have been at home watching, craving live television, and you would have had it. So, yeah, they dropped the ball. Especially because there was a lot of, like, networks that weren't doing shows at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? There was, you know, there, there wasn't your Grey's Anatomy. There wasn't this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Because the world shut down. Yeah, they shut down whether you I mean, agreed to it or not. I mean, they, everything shut down. You weren't There was no production, and that was it. Um, exactly. Baseball had their opportunity. They blew it. So, hopefully, they don't blow it now because, and we've yeah, seen- I mean – We've seen what strikes can do. Look, you look at the NFL. The reason why – there's many reasons why it's the top top dog in, in the United States. And one of the things is you can't really – I mean, most fans can't go back to the last time there was a work stoppage. The last time there was a work stoppage was 1986, and they got it resolved within a few weeks. So there's not, a, there's not been a strike season lost. You know, Major League Baseball lost a key season in 94. They've had strikes since then. They've had threatenings of strike. I mean, there's always that thing that kind of kills fans' momentum and mood. And what have we seen over the last couple of years, bro? The growth in the game as far as internationally, as far as homegrown talent, as far as younger fans starting to get back into baseball or to get into baseball for the first time, it, it's starting to gain momentum. You are absolutely right. It would crush the sport for them to take, you know, take two steps forward and ten backwards. You know, we saw Absolutely. that the, the NBA can get around it too. The NBA's had a couple work stoppages, but they've gotten around it. They're still a pretty good a sport, but I think baseball's rivaling them as far as being number two. Their ratings are always higher than basketball, 
and and they could you know they don't touch football but you don't want to drop back to hockey because there was a time <laughs> after the, the 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 steroid scandal and the strike where the ratings dipped way low so yeah i think it would be counterproductive for them to lose out on this hockey has a work stoppage every like four years yeah <laughs> all yeah. the time with hockey all right um all right so let me say this this is going to be my hot take Mm-hmm. And some people are going to hate me. Some people are going to agree. Absolutely. Okay. And you tell me what you think. Be honest with me. Okay. <clears throat> Baseball has the advantage of all the major sports right now. And here's why. This is baseball's golden age. Football, we have a lot of players past their prime. There's not a lot of big quarterbacks where we stand today. You know, five, six years ago, we had, you know, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, the, hell, even Philip Rivers. We had a lot of very good, you know, Ben, ben Roethlisberger was still in his prime. Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? There's a long list. I mean, Russell Wilson was just getting started. There was a long list of big quarterbacks. There was a lot of big defensive players. There was running backs. You know what I mean? Like, football had a good thing five or six years ago. Basketball. We're now starting to get to the age where a lot of these guys are getting old. I mean, Kobe obviously retired and passed away. Um, you know, Durant's going to retire soon. LeBron's going to retire soon. Like, we're getting closer and closer to this stuff. Those guys aren't in their primes anymore. And if they are, they're slowly exiting. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I like hockey, but I don't know enough about players to just ramble off. They don't They don't but, uh, support their – or they don't market their guys, so we wouldn't know anyway. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and baseball, is, they're getting a little bit better about marketing, like, guys, but they're still not great. But the thing with baseball – this is baseball's golden age. And people out there are going to disagree with me. You know, people like my godfather, my dad, maybe even your dad are going to disagree. They're going to be like, no, baseball's golden age was 20 years ago. Guys, there's never been more talent in Major League Baseball than here today. Forget Babe Ruth. We're watching Shohei Otani. Babe Ruth has nothing on Otani. We're watching Mike Trout day in and day out. We saw Pujols at the time where he was the one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. Not the Pujols we saw today, or the Pujols we saw yesterday waddling his way to first base. <laughs> we saw Barry Bonds become the home run king. We saw Ichiro Suzuki get the most hits in the world, you know, between Japan and Major League Baseball. That was like two years ago that, you know, he retired. Three years ago. It was really recent. I know he kind of played like, what, like three games in Japan and then retired. Mm-hmm. You know, Clayton Kershaw, one of the best uh, regular season pitchers of our lives. I hate that he's a Dodger, but I like Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer is dominant. He was you know, great for the Nationals. Madison Bumgarner carried the Giants on his back. Guys, the list goes on and on. Baseball has the most talent of any sport today. And they're not doing a good enough job marketing them. And if there's a work stoppage, a significant one, it is really going to hinder the process. Baseball needs to get younger. They need to get some young blood in the Major League Baseball executive offices. They need to get guys, you know, my age, you know, guys your age, guys in between, guys that are like, hey, you know, we know the greats were there. We remember Pete Rose. You remember Hank Aaron. But – Shohei Otani is the future. Quad Soto, you know, they need to do a better job. But this is our golden age. That's what I have to say. 
I, I agree with you in a way because I piggyback off that because I think what baseball started doing about 10 to 15 years ago with the lack of uh, black athletes in this in the game, they started the RBI program. You're starting to see some of those black athletes make the majors leagues now trickling in and starting to boost, boost up the numbers, which is a good thing to see. We didn't want to see, you know, the the token guy being Andrew McCutcheon. But we're starting to see a lot more black athletes making major league rosters. We're starting to see the uh, – the the getting ridden uh, the good riddance to all the unwritten rules to where you know hey you know what if you want to bat flip show up somebody point to your dugout point to the other dugout freaking do it and and, and it's great because it brings a sandlot type of attitude to towards baseball and you know what young kids always watch replays on YouTube of of football players cracking the hell out of people and then standing over them doing a pose doing a dance in the in the end zone basketball doing a crazy ass dunk doing a celebration pumping their chest baseball was not allowed to do that just a few years ago but i think now you're seeing these these crazy bat flips the great unity between players boston pushing guys in a freaking uh shopping cart in the, in the dugout all that is invigorating to fans the chain in san diego all that changes culture and brings more butts to the seats puts more people in front of tvs yes you're right baseball is on its golden age and i'm just talking about the stuff that happens on unwritten rules you brought up all the players all the more players that are coming up your Acunas who didn't even play in this postseason alvarez rosario you have all these new pitchers that are coming up that we're going to get to know over the next few years it's exciting and baseball has no business stopping that yeah Absolutely. Like I told, I mean, baseball has the advantage of all sports right now. You know, it's starting to get a lot more diverse now than it was five, 10, 15 years ago. Yep. You know, like you said, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon for a while was one of the lone black players. There wasn't a lot. And now we have, you know, Joe Adele. We have, we still have McCutcheon, obviously. You know, I mean, you know, we had, we got to see a great deal of CeCe Sabathia, who obviously just retired because of heart complications. But, you know, there's – and obviously now the, there's a lot of Latin players. You know, it's just – we're getting very diverse, and it's awesome. It makes baseball so much better. It is because if you look at the September rosters and a lot of these teams, like if you look at Seattle, I think they had something like six major league players on the roster that were black. That's the highest awesome. it's, been, and it's been in a long time. Whereas you look at Houston, Houston right now does not have currently a black athlete on their current roster. But you do have a couple teams that don't have them, but you do have a lot of teams that are getting them coming up that came in September call-ups, which – they're right there. They're right there from being major league ball players, and they're making that next step. And it's good to see. And it'll change. It'll continue to change, just like how the Latin players started coming in, the Cuban players started coming in. The, so, so it's it's going. And the Asian players are starting to make a mark too. You're starting to get more yeah. Japanese ball players, some Korean ball players in, and it's good for baseball. It's a good world unity type thing. Uh, so. I believe right now the work stoppage, like what we're talking about, what you brought on, um, you sent me an article about what they're arguing about, right? And right now, correct me if I'm wrong, the Dodgers were about at $300 million for a payroll, which is insane, close to that. Um, what they want to, and what they're proposing is a $180 million cap. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to go, if, I think the hangup is the whole draft picks and the penalty money. And then you're going to need a, a, a also a floor. So I don't know what the floor would be, but you're asking teams like the Marlins to ante up some more money. You know what I mean? So that's where I, I think you get you get it on both sides. You get your your Dodgers brass who wants to spend all the money in the world. You got Steve Cohen, same thing in New York. But then you got teams like Pittsburgh and and Miami who are like, hey man, we're trying to spend as least as possible here. 
Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they definitely need to negotiate a way for like have a salary floor or a salary. Yeah, they they have to make some of these teams spend money, and you know, some of them are very good at not spending money. I mean, look, Cleveland, fifty million dollars. Wow. And they Baltimore, fifty three million. <laughs> they spent more than Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland's the bottom of the barrel. At wow, I did not know that. Dude, the Angels have two players worth more than $50 million. <laughs> Dude, $50 million barely gets you Trevor Bauer and like maybe one other player on the Dodgers. Jeez Louise. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. I also like just looking at that Dodgers roster is crazy. I mean, what, $300 million? And I mean, what do they get out of that? A loss to the Braves. That's what they get out of it. And they didn't win the division wow. either. They lost. That's the beauty of baseball, though. That's why we watch baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that here here's my thought on things. And that's why things were different in the 90s. Some people like to say the 90s were great for baseball. But you literally had two teams that were dominating. And if anyone else stepped up in the in that time period, you're like, oh my God. Because for the most part, you know, with the Marlins getting their one championship in there. You had the Yankees just dominating. You had the Braves yeah. continuing to dom- dominate in the National League. And maybe I never Cleveland- won a World Series. They won one. Yeah, they only won one, and it was against the other team who couldn't get off the schneid, which was Cleveland. Cleveland was always right there pushing the Yankees, but they never could get over the hump. And when they did, they ran into the freaking Braves. But uh, it, it's just it's just uh, um, like you have more of a competitive balance this year. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Boston was in the same spot the Angels were just a couple of years ago, and look where they got. You know, things can change like that. It doesn't take 10 years anymore. Yeah, that's the beauty of baseball, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the Giants were not a good team last year. And this yeah. year, they were, what, the best team in baseball as far as record? Most wins, yes. You know, I mean, that's just – that's the beauty of it, right? So – What do you think – what do you think can be done? Do you th- do you think that this could be done? Like, I mean, obviously the salary cap's got to get to that that threshold. What do you think is the answer? Is it the penalty and money wise, or do you think it is draft picks and and stuff like that? I don't think they need to make a hard cap for the top. If you want to go over, you should be able to go over, but you you have to get put. You have to be penalized. You have to make it so unappealing that the only reason you're going over is because you know you're going to win that race. I mean, you know, like, hey, it's, you know, $260 million. If you go over, you owe us your uh, top three draft picks or you owe us your third, fourth, and fifth round draft picks and you owe us et cetera, et cetera, amount of money per player. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be like, you know, playing Monopoly when you land on the 15% tax spot where you got to pay 15% tax for like every house you own. It's going to be like that. You know what I mean? We're like, oh, you owe me 15% tax for every player on your active roster. You know what I mean? Something where it's so ridiculous. You're like, why on earth would I pay that? The only reason you pay it is because you're going to win a ring. Okay, let me ask you this then. What if okay. What if it goes this way like the NFL, though? I mean, the NFL obviously put has, has put theirs in since, I think it was 96 or 98 when they decided to put their salary cap in, but... They have it to where you know you don't get penalized draft picks. You don't get you don't have to pay into nothing. It's just whatever you went over, you can't use next year. So if your salary cap's like 180 million, and you go 220, well you got 140 to spend next year, and then you got to cut some people or trade some people. Is that something that you think could be a possibility, or you think that's not different sport, different strokes, different folks? 
Yeah, different uh, strokes, different folks. I don't think they could pan out of baseball. Um, you know, it's not a bad idea, but, you know, there definitely needs to be a, a, a crucial penalty for going over because at that point, what's the point of having a salary cap? That's true. Or That's true. what's the point of having a luxury tax? You know what I mean? Make it a luxury tax, make it super unappealing because why would I want to go over that? I don't want to lose blah, 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 blah. You're, or maybe like maybe like you said, and like the, they'll still go over, but not as much. Maybe the, the Dodgers will be like, well, instead of getting five players like they have that put some way over the cap, they get two. You know, yeah. so exactly, and they're still going to lose something for it. So, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, salary floor is the biggest thing I'm cheering for, and universal DH. I would love to see universal DH. I'm so oh. tired of seeing some of these losers hit. And, and that's what I brought up in the in my live the other day. I think that was another contributing factor to the Dodgers winning. Because they were able to use that that universal DH, I think that's going to bring you know baseball even more popularity. Because again, you love National League baseball, you love the old school style. You have to get pinch hitters, you have to do this. There's a lot of thinking involved, and whatnot. But guys like Joe Madden still manage like National League, like Sosha did. So you'll still see that with guys like that, and you still see a lot of moves and a lot of janky type st uh, stuff happening during the game. But I'm with you. I'm tired of seeing the the pitcher hit, and 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 if you that actually creates more jobs, doesn't it, for designated hitters and guys who can't field anymore? Could create some bigger contract opportunities too. Yeah, because think about it, yeah. pull, pull. Where is he going to go next year? Who? You know, <laughs> you know how to do, Uncle Uncle Tio, Uncle Tio. Where's he going to oh, go? Oh, Tio. Yeah, where's Tio going to go? Um, I don't retirement. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he's banking on that universal DH because, I mean, you Probably said it, not. I've said it. He's got to go to St. Louis. Every team would benefit from a universal DH. Anybody who's saying no is only lying to themselves. Okay, who name me some of the best hitting pitchers. I mean, obviously besides Otani, but, like, who's, like, some of the better hitting pitchers that come to mind? Uh, Madison Bumgarner? Bumgarner, Glavin, uh, CeCe Sabathia. I think Kershaw's a decent hitter, right? Yeah, he can he can hit. Um, okay, so Madison Bumgarner has a career batting average of 172. <laughs> yeah. And that's and good. people talk about how good he is. Nine, yeah, exactly. 19 home runs for his career. Wow. Wasn't Fernando Valenzuela also a good hitter, people said? I think so, yeah. He was a decent hitter. Um, the problem is for every decent Major League Baseball pitcher that has to hit that is somewhat decent there's about 50 yeah. or more that can't hit the broad side of a barn that yeah that, or, that they're literally until up, a cologne exists yeah they're literally up there to take a pitch to hope that the pitcher misses what is it four out of six that he can get somehow work a walk uh and, and if that if that's not the case they're they're working on bunts trying not to pop out i mean they're, they're, that's an easy out every time i mean how many times have we seen baseball games where the number eight hitter's up and he's maybe not even that good, but they're like, well, let's put him on to get the, to the pitcher and pitcher, get him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. The guy's got like an on-base percentage of like 340 because, you know, they're just going to walk him to get to the, uh, the pitcher. Exactly. Fernando Valenzuela, career 200 hitter. It's not bad, I guess. <laughs> Mendoza. Ten home runs. Yeah, not bad. Oh, I'm an OGs. <laughs> yeah i mean it's time man you go to a game to see the best players in the world right mm -hmm. name me a pitcher who can hit well you know what i mean mm -hmm. if people are you know you're gonna get the smart ass is really like, oh, you're, you're, you're 
Yeah, I was like, Joey Otani can hit, but I mean, he's 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 a, he's a hitter. He's a yeah, he's a hitter who can pitch. Yeah, he's a unicorn exactly. Yeah, there's, there's... so yeah, universal DH. I, you know, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about the collective bargaining agreement. It'll be relevant for probably the rest of this offseason. So here's hoping that we don't have a long stoppage. We might have, you know, I'm hoping it's maybe a couple of weeks, but it probably will happen. As long as we're not talking about, you know, June. Oh, man, I hope that they get this figured out soon. Yeah, we don't want to lose any games. That's that's a big thing. You don't want to start losing spring training, and you definitely won't because spring training will definitely lose you April and, and stuff like that. It'll just start being a domino effect, and then other sports will have the opportunity to kick our ass and stuff like that. So it's an, it's no bueno. So I absolutely agree. I think they need to really hit this and hit it hard. Uh, and then um, if anything, we'll, you know, if all things work out, we can go into a normal off season and, and have these new rule changes and get familiar with everything, you know, and see where everything goes, check out contract statuses and things like that. So it, it is a trickle down effect with everything. And so I'm with you, man. I'm hoping this all works out. Last question I have for you. Do you want them to make spring training shorter if that was part of a CBA? Should they shorten spring training? As far as the games or the, the workouts and all that stuff? I mean, like the overall, I mean, I mean, what, it's about a month and a half long if you include games and training. I mean, they, the players need the two weeks to train, you know, pitchers to get warm. I know they need that. But should they have a whole month of games? I think it should be more like three weeks. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think you know pretty much what you got in the first couple of weeks. I mean, uh, you don't yeah. need too much, um, especially from your starters. I think your starters, as long as you're seeing what they're doing in the batting cages, their approach, uh, the you know, or even in in uh, I would say more live action out there, um, swinging, you know, not bat well batting practice, you know, live batting practice. I think you can see for the most part what you what you got. Um, I think it's all about testing the rookies and stuff like that. The final week. So, yeah, I think three yeah. weeks would be a lot better. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then for, for next season, uh, my last question to you would be, um, with everything, with the collect, collective bargaining agreement, if everything gets done and everything starts the season, um, how would you market baseball going into 2022 if you were, if you were in that spot? How would I market baseball? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you promote the start of a, a new season? Because obviously, you're you're locked in for your agreement for the next five years. Or the agree, you know, so you know what you got. What would you market first, or who would you? I, I I would market like this is the new baseball. Like, truly go into like, hey, like the kids are gonna play now. Hey, you know, the unwritten rules are no more. Like, this is the new age of baseball. You appeal to the young kids. You know, you. You show those clips of the guys, you know, hitting the home runs and pimping the home runs. And, you know, the, yesterday when, you know, they got that strikeout and he was super pumped up. I agree. Uh, things things like that. Like, hey, this is this is the new baseball. You know, out with the old baseball and they show like, you know, like a clip of like people in suits like clapping in the stands. <laughs> that baseball is dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's time for the new baseball. That's what I would do. Something like that. You know what I mean? This is the new game. Because I know they started to do that with, like, the all let the kids play campaign. Mm-hmm. But now you can really do it because, hey, now we have a new collective bargaining agreement. This is, you know, this is the new this is the new age. Or you market it as the golden age, as I was saying. Like, the, you embrace it. Like, hey, you know what? This is our golden age. This is the most talent we ever had. Mm-hmm. 
I I agree. I mean, if you're able to do that, you bring in all these young kids that want to emulate their superstars that you're promoting. And you know how excited people get when, I mean, like, like World Baseball Classic, I think, started at first when they would jump out with the flags and they drape the players when they come in with a home run. Or there are, I mean, there's a, like so many people already close to home plate when the guy scores a run. That kind of stuff yeah. started to come into Major League Baseball. Now you're seeing players jump them before they can even get close to the dugout. That's what kids yeah. need to see. And, and I think like what you're saying, like, like let the kids play, bat flips, all that stuff. It's it's beautiful for the game. I never saw that growing up, and that would have changed a lot of my friends' minds. I think on baseball. Yeah, I mean the guys, you know, they just have to get rid of this like mentality of like, oh, well, it's a gentleman's game. It's like it's not anymore. You no. know, let the kids have fun. Let it be like little league where you hit a home run, and like I understand it's the third inning, but everyone in the dugout comes and waits around home plate like it's a walk off. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? If it's a big home run, let it be a big home run. If it's a big strikeout. Let it be a big strikeout. Legalize emotion. It's okay. Yeah. You know, if I give up, I've given up home runs in my life. Whatever. I get bat flipped on. Cool. There was but a, when I have a big when I get walked, I'm a bat flip that too. <laughs> well, there was a pitcher, I forgot who it was this year, and I think it was a Miami pitcher. And it was uh or it was a Miami player actually that did it. He had hit a home run and he did this shimmy sort of thing. And I think it was against the Braves or someone, another East Coast team. And he did this like shimmy and, and like he got all excited and he, and he, uh, when he hit the home run and he came back. So then the pitcher was facing him for the second time and he struck him out and he looked at him and he did a shimmy back to him and, and walked out. <laughs> I thought, dude, that's awesome. If you could dish yeah. it, you got to take it, whether you're pitching or hitting, that's cool. And I don't think anybody would get mad. You know what I mean? It would be like, hey, man, we're just here playing. You know, and that's what it is, right? When you were with your friends and you got struck out, your friend would laugh at you. Exactly. Vice versa. When you struck him out or, you know, they hit a ball right to you, you made a great play, you would laugh at your friend. Same thing with football, right? You tackle your friend and, you know, you would laugh in his face. That's just, you know, that's just kids being a game. Or you're playing a children's game. That's what sports is. You're playing a game that everybody played as a child. So embrace it and have fun. Nobody cares in football if you, you know, get a touchdown and you have a crazy celebration, unless you're the referee and you hate fun. Yeah. But, you know, it's the same thing with baseball, man. Just let them have fun. Well, remember in 2002, to bring it back to the Angels, uh, Frankie Rodriguez was getting national hate for him yelling and, and you know, yelling and, and pumping himself up to the dugout, you know, yelling to the sky. And they're like, well, should he be showing that much emotion? Is that showing up the other team? It's like, no, he just made a huge-ass pitch. You know, he's fired up. Why not be fired up? And that was not too long ago. So it's great to see where the game's gone. Absolutely. Can agree with you more. So you got anything else on this episode, my friend? No. I mean, uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll look forward to next week. Uh, if all goes well, we'll be interviewing Kyron Lovegrove tomorrow who is obviously the guy who came out as a trash panda uh he also did come out so <laughs> no i'm only laughing that's another he said thing because uh, he said he came out as a trash panda mall that's a thing too <laughs> but, yeah. but. well he came out as a trash panda about how difficult life in the minor leagues was started that whole conversation mm -hmm. and then i guess in september he also came out as bisexual so i mean we have two very interesting worlds to talk about and I mean world in a negative way. I mean just like, you know, two completely different topics that you could talk about for hours with somebody, right? I mean, you know, he's got a story to tell about both. So it'll be a fun interview. 
And then uh, he'll be coming back on for our minor league baseball panel, which should be pretty soon now that the season's going to be coming to an end here. I can't wait. It should be a fun one tomorrow. And then we'll have that one, like you said, uh, for next week. And by the way, we talked some Dodgers today. So go to redbubble.com, type in Halos in the infield, and get yourself a Chokers shirt because that is one of the coolest logos. Yeah, And support yeah, support the uh, minor league ball players by checking out that uh, we're, We Stand With You uh, T-shirt as well. Like, like uh, my boy said, it's all goes to charity. This hat, everything we've gotten goes to charity. So check out. We got some really cool logos there by Fast Times Randy. The very talented Fast Times. We appreciate his work. Absolutely. Though he'll make to dip for some time. He thinks we're giving him a hard time. He's hard on himself. That's what it is. You know, we're, yeah, I mean, but who is it? Yeah. Well, that's how most geniuses are. You, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're pumping, we're pumping them up right now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so with that being said, man, that's all I got for today. Um, if you don't got anything else. Um, I have a Viva Los Angelitos. There you go. Prendalo. <laughs> and that could, that could be said on TV soon. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to see about that. Shout out to Rich Waltz. Do it. Go. I gave him permission. I gave him permission. He said he'll try it if he gets brought back. Hey, Rich Waltz is a great interview. You got to check that out it's, if you haven't heard it. It's, it's all right, though. According to some people, all I do is make lame catchphrases. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> you know you're the man, Fernando. You know you are. All right. So for Todd Fox and Fernando, this has been another Halos in the Infield podcast.